0: We continue our journey through Philippians. We turn to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, and we read in Jesus' name. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, Let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the songs that we've sung and heard this morning, the testimonies. Thank you, God, for your work in our lives to bring us to that place of living faith in you. Enable us, oh God, to continue to grow in our relationship with you, trusting in you daily, in your word, in fellowship with others. We pray in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. If you've ever done any grouse hunting in the woods of northern Minnesota, you realize that that's probably one of the most challenging types of hunting. With all the trees there, there are times when you don't even see the grouse take off. You just hear it. And then you hear your heart beating, right, as you are scared. and, you're, and you be, Then you begin the pursuit. You're following those sounds and maybe eventually, as hunters would say, you bag it, right? You bag the prize and you, you bring it home. Paul describes the Christian life as pressing on. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I find that the word press on is pretty interesting. It's a great picture of the Christian life because it was used to describe a hunting pursuit and also of running a race. And it gives us the picture then that the Christian life is not a relaxing stroll. Rather, it is a determined pursuit to grow spiritually. So, How do we... Press on. I would suggest to you there are three lessons we find in this passage today. First of all, we press on to grow spiritually by facing our need, our need for for growth. One of the false teachings that has become, that has been around for a long time, is what theologians call sinless perfection. It is the claim that believers in this life can come to the place where they don't sin anymore. That's a false teaching. And I remember my dad telling me there was a man that came to our house for a visit and he talked about some kind of spiritual experience he had. And he described it as being in a bowl of jelly. Would you call that a spiritual experience? In a bowl of jelly. And then he said, ever since that day I haven't sinned. And my dad said, you just did. (laughs) You just did. Scripture makes it clear that if we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So Paul makes it clear that there's no such thing as sinless perfection in this life. And he points to himself as an example of that. And he says it three times. So we don't miss it. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained it or have already been made perfect. Verse 13, he says, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. In other words, no one in this life will ever be able to say, I have arrived. I am at that point now where I don't sin anymore. I have reached perfection. Someday you will too. If you don't believe this is true, ask your husband or wife. Ask your brother or sister if you've reached that point. And if they haven't done so already, I'm sure they would be happy to set the record straight. You have not arrived yet. You still struggle, right? We still struggle. Romans 7 describes that what I don't want to do, I do, and what I want to do, I don't do. And that's that's what, that's what the battle that we face, don't we, as believers in Jesus. A long way to go. I remember my dad, you know, when we take a sauna together, I told him many times, you still have that old nature, because he would take the cold water, and instead of throwing it on the hot rocks, oh, he'd slip and it'd go on us. Say, you've still got an old nature. You have not reached that point yet where you don't sin. <laughs> and that's what it's like for us. Now, I don't know if it sounds strange to you, but instead of looking at ourselves as getting better and better in the Christian life, a sign of spiritual growth is that we recognize more and more how much we need Jesus. That's a sign of spiritual growth. We recognize more and more how much we need Jesus. Because the closer we become to Jesus, the more we realize how far we fall short. Don't we? This is Paul's testimony in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He describes what his life was like. I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant, along with the faith and love in Jesus. Then he says this, It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and get this last phrase, among whom I am, I am Foremost of all. Now, we would have understood that pretty clearly if he says, this is what I was. The foremost of all, right? A blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor. He doesn't say that. Why? Because the closer he came to Jesus, the more he realized how sinful he was because the light of Jesus has a way of exposing sin in our life. Isn't it? You wake up to the middle of the night, look in your room, you might see some of the bigger things, right? But as more light shines in, you're able to see much more. You might see some hairs on the dresser or dust on the dresser or things you couldn't see when there wasn't a light on. And that's how it is in the Christian life. The the, the more we come closer to Jesus, the more we realize how much we need Him. Because the light of His Word, the light of His presence reveals our need. And so that's where it starts. Facing our need for growth. Recognizing we haven't arrived yet. we still struggle, But Paul says we press on. We press on. Notice secondly he says we press on to grow spiritually by forgetting What is behind? If our goal is to grow spiritually, we must not allow our past to hinder us from pursuing our goal. That's why Paul says that he was forgetting what lies behind. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. Yet one thing I do, forgetting what's behind... Reaching forward to what lies ahead. So what is it that we need to forget? Well, First of all, we need to forget our past sin. Not assume that most of us look back on our lives with a certain amount of regret. Are there things that you've done you wish you would have never done? Are there things you've said you wish you would have never said? Are there things you ought to have done that you didn't do? And you look back with regret. But when we confess our sin to Jesus and we receive His forgiveness, those sins according to Scripture are buried in the depths of the sea. Micah chapter 7, verse 19. And we should never dig them up again. I remember visiting with a lady in the nursing home and I, I was reading that passage from Micah and, I, and in my prayer I said, Lord, thank You that You have drowned our sins in the depths of the sea. And then I said, and You put up a no-fishing sign. And I was kind of close to the bed, you know, and I could feel the bed starting to shake. And there she was just laughing like that, rejoicing in that promise. You don't dig them up again. They're gone. They're forgiven. We can move on. Henry Bosch, who wrote in Our Daily Bread years ago, he said, a a 10-year-old boy wanted to be a pastor when he grew up. And one day the family's cat died. So he had an opportunity to do some practice preaching conducting a funeral for the cat. And so he found a shoe box and put the cat in the box, but the tail kept sticking out, so he cut a hole in the top of the box, and the cat's tail was sticking out of the, the box, and then he buried, in a, buried it in a shallow grave. But that tail was still visible, and it got the best of him, and so every two or three days, he would secretly pull up the cat by the tail, and then rebury it again. And then he says, eventually the tail came off and the body finally remained buried. And then uh, Henry Bosch, how many of us do this with our forgiven sin? We confess our sins, but we continue to drag them up. We weep over them again, even though God considers the ugly things buried once and for all. And then he says, it's time to leave the cat buried. When our sins have been confessed and forgiven, move on. Don't let Satan come in and and heap judgment on us for, for, for things we've done that have been washed clean. have been forgiven. The University of Colorado football coach, Gary Barnett, was asked about a loss early in the season that kept them from playing in the national championship game. And he said, we don't think about it. I have learned a long time ago, don't trip on something behind you. Don't trip on something behind you. Paul says, I, I, I leave that behind. How about forgetting about our past accomplishments? Paul was a man who had a number of spiritual accomplishments. You think of an apostle, a missionary, a theologian, who experienced some amazing things in ministry. And so why would he say that he was forgetting what lies behind. I love what Kent Hughes says. Paul's forgetting what lies behind is a special kind of forgetfulness. The kind that does not turn and glance back from the goal to indulge in the complacency of past achievements. He said that would have been easy for him to do if he yielded to it. He had been the man, the heroic apostle amid beatings and betrayals and shipwrecks and danger upon danger. His epic life was without parallel. He was and remains the theologian of the church. He was the missionary to the Gentiles. The missionary general of the early church. The apostle could boast of a trailing ring of established churches shining as lights across the darkness of Asia and Europe. And he says, But Paul chose not to look back on his accomplishments lest they diminish his focus. Or lull him into complacency or indifference. If anyone could have been tempted to rest on his laurels, it would have been this man, this Apostle Paul. He wasn't going to do that. He didn't want his past to hinder his walk with Jesus in any way. He said, I forget what lies behind. I'm not going to allow my past to hinder me in any way. My desire to serve Jesus. Leave it behind. And thirdly, we press on to grow spiritually by focusing on what lies ahead. How many of you are runners, huh? Run a mile or the marathon or whatever. If you're going to be successful running a race, where do you need to focus? You are focusing on that goal, right? You're not looking back You're not looking in the stands, not waving at your girlfriend, not looking at your feet. Looking ahead. Looking ahead. That's what Paul describes here. He says, brethren, verse 13, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, for the prize, of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, when when Jesus got a hold of Paul, on that road to Damascus, he made it unmistakably clear to Paul that God had a purpose for his life. And we see that in an interesting phrase in verse 12. Paul says, Not that I've already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. That word translated lay hold, it pictures the very firm way that Jesus got a hold of Paul. The word can be translated to seize or to catch. So think of this man, he's on his way to Damascus, to uh, persecute Christians, and he meets Jesus on the road, Jesus seized him. Jesus caught him. Because Paul was running from Jesus, right? And Jesus caught him. He seized him. And one author I, I read said this, Paul's language comes from the world of war and athletics. In fact, in a battle report, the ancient historian Herodotus used the same words Paul used to describe an army's pursuit and seizure of the retreating columns of the enemy. He says Paul's rough and tumble words explicitly pointed to his conversion on the Damascus road where the risen, exalted Christ seized him for his own. As Paul trod the road near Damascus, the mighty hand of Christ reached down And he says, seized him by the scruff of his robe and set him on the path to Ananias' house and then to Arabia and then to the Gentile world as its great apostle. So that same word that describes what Jesus did to him, laying hold of him, seizing him, is the same word that he uses in laying hold of the purpose for which He was called. He says, I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I was laid hold of by Jesus. Now that reminds me when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he met Mary Magdalene, what did she do? She laid hold of him. (laughs) As if to say, Jesus, I am not going to let you go. And I see that as a picture of of the Christian life where we say, Jesus, you have seized me. You've laid hold of me. Now I'm going to lay hold of you. Because that's where growth comes in the Christian life, right? It's, It's our relationship with Jesus. Laying hold of Him. One author says, Brothers and sisters, if you have been seized by Christ and are in the grip of His grace, Then press on, grasping pursuit of of an ever-deepening knowledge of Him. He said, the gospel allows no room for a bland, middle-class ethic that strives to be neither hot nor cold. We are called to a single-minded, determined pursuit of Christ. There's a lady I knew who told me one day. She said, I am so tired... Of this whole hum Christianity. I said, What do you mean by that? She said, There are some in my family, they are business as usual, status quo, self satisfied. Yeah, I know Jesus, just whole hum Christianity. And I thought, What an interesting picture. It's kind of like, Yeah, I'm thankful I'm saved, and that's all I need. And yet Jesus gives a warning about that, doesn't He, in Revelation chapter 3. He says to the church at Laodicea, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of My mouth. Because you say, I'm rich, I become wealthy, I have need of nothing. And Jesus said, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. What a contrast between that Laodicean church and what Paul is saying here. The contrast couldn't be sharper. They were self-satisfied. Paul says, I press on. Jesus has seized me. He has laid hold of me. He has transformed my life. And my desire is to lay hold of Him. Press on. Growing in my walk with Him. When you embrace the truth that you haven't arrived yet, that you need to grow in your walk with the Lord, that that transforms your life. You are committed to those things that will help you grow. Worship is a priority in your life. Your hunger for fellowship with other believers, you look for ways to serve. And most importantly, there's that desire in your heart to spend time in in the Word Peter 2 says, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. I think these Bible school students, you've got that privilege to spend time in the Word these years of Bible school. Don't, Don't take that for granted. Dig in, let that word just fill you and transform you and change you. And that's how you grow. the foot of one of the Swiss Alps. There is a marker honoring a man who fell to his death attempting to climb that mountain. The marker gives his name and his brief epitaph. He died climbing. He died climbing. May that be true of us? We're not just satisfied and lukewarm, but pressing on. Died climbing. Laying hold of Jesus as Jesus has laid hold of us. Pressing on. May that be true of us today. Let's pray. Father, thank You for seizing us, those of us who know You. Laying hold of us. Help us to lay hold of You and the purpose for which You've called us. Thank You, Lord, that we've been saved by Your wonderful grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you are working in our lives, and I pray that we would lay hold of you each and every day, longing to be more like you, pressing on for that goal, that purpose for which you've called us. We pray in Jesus' name.